0: morning church that is that is really hard for me to not sing and play (laughs) it's like totally goes against my my inner being so that's rough but uh, thanks team for stepping up and singing trying to keep my voice in check it's been a rough week so i've tried not to talk the last few days and hopefully make it through this sermon too so we are in the book of james james chapter 2 um, and because of my voice, if this is the first time that you're here, um, usually I get a lot more intense and loud. Um, so come back again, I'm a, uh, but uh, hopefully, hopefully God will let this be a pretty good, pretty good uh, um, voice today. So James chapter 2, and we're going to go to the 14th um, verse of James chapter 2. Um, if you're getting into your Bible, you don't know your way around very much yet. Basically, the first two-thirds of the Bible is the Old Testament or so, and then the last third, or a little bigger than that, is the New Testament. And about halfway through the New Testament is a big book called Hebrews. And the next book would be James. So we go to James chapter 2, verse 14. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this. He writes this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, Well, you have faith and I have works. Well, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Well, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on that altar? You see that faith was active with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone and in the same way was also not also rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way for as the body apart from the spirit is dead so also faith apart from works is dead let's pray (laughs) we better pray seriously oh this one here let's pray father we're grateful we're grateful for the work of your holy spirit That you promise the way that your spirit gathers us together we're grateful for the ways lord that your spirit um, brings to life the word of god that this book isn't an academic study that we're doing here today father but when we open it together it comes alive and it starts to reshape our hearts and our minds and our lives and we pray that you would do that so pour out your spirit on us into this place and into each of our hearts and minds lord would you do a work in us would you grant us the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, would you move in us, creating faith? Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Empty me of myself. Give me a voice today and fill me with your Spirit that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, for you are our strength and our salvation. And all God's people say together, amen. Jeff, can you give me just a little more volume? And I, I don't know. <clears throat> Thank you. I'll talk a little softer. Maybe. <laughs> all right. Well, here we go, James chapter 2. If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? That's what James asks us this morning. Well, if you've spent any time around this church or listened to sermons or had theological conversations with Pastor Greg or myself, you've probably heard quoted a number of times Ephesians chapters 2, verses 8 through 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 are wonderful verses that speak of God's goodness and mercy and love. And you might recall them or even maybe have these memorized. Their verses are so kind of central to our faith. Do you remember what they are? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, right? And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, We talk about those verses frequently because they remind us that salvation is from God and Him alone. Salvation can't be earned. It isn't something that we can work towards. God isn't waiting for you to kind of get yourself to this level so that He can save you, right? It isn't about how good we are or how much good we've done. Salvation is from God. It's for God. It's it's lived to God. It's a total and complete gift. Given to the undeserving. Remember, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? Salvation is from God. It's for God. And through this gift, through this gift that is given, we see just how powerful God's forgiveness and love is for us. These are really important verses, Ephesians, because they truly express the gospel in a really concise and direct way. You're saved by God. Not anything you can do or because that you've you've earned it in some way. That's the good news. We have faith and salvation through Jesus. Jesus accomplishes this this for us on the cross. Sin is forgiven. Righteousness is given. Departed to the believing. Reconciled back to God. Renewed into a life-giving relationship with the Father. All by God's work for us. Saved by grace. Amen? Some make that little acronym out of grace, right? God's riches, riches at Christ's expense. What a gift. It's the most incredible gift anyone can receive. Abundant and eternal life in Christ Jesus. And We haven't lifted a finger to make that happen. It's gift. It's free, as Ephesians reminds us. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Not a result of works, so that we aren't able to claim any credit. All credit, honor, and glory belong to God. Our works Don't get us into heaven. Only faith in Jesus. And, you know, Jesus even highlights this in Matthew chapter 27, or Matthew chapter 7. If you you go to Matthew chapter 7, what you find there is Jesus preaching, and and he he says this in Matthew 7, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And didn't we do mighty works in your name? And then he'll declare to them, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. <laughs> so, hey, weren't we doing all kinds of great works in your name? It weren't, wasn't it about us? <laughs> and Jesus says, I, I never knew you. It wasn't about faith and trust in the Lord. Those works were works done to garner favor with God or to to be seen by people. And the Lord says, hey, it's not about works. It's about trusting in me. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Well, that's true. We claim it. However, James is asking us a question this morning that we have to come to terms with. If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? That's what he asks. Well, perhaps another way to say it is this. If faith doesn't change you, if faith in Jesus doesn't cause you to look at God's calling and commandments differently, if you don't desire to keep those commandments and love the Lord your God and please God, is your faith alive? Is there faith? Well, if faith in Jesus doesn't cause you to treat people differently, if if your life isn't affected by your faith, how you live isn't affected by what you believe and what you believe about God's action for you, do you have faith? Have you really received the gift that God gives through Jesus if your faith isn't moving you to do good out there in the world for Jesus' sake? James tells us this morning, faith without works is dead. You can't claim faith in Jesus and then live a life that is counter to God's call and commands. You can't say, I believe in Jesus, and then treat those who Jesus loves and is trying to save poorly. (laughs) Look at Ephesians chapter 2 again. We're going to go there. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. I read verses 8 and 9. It's important to read 10. I'm going to read them all together here. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Now look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for... What? What? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verse 9, not a result of works, so no one can boast, but created in Christ Jesus for them. We're not saved by them, but we're created for them. That's a big distinction, and we got to get that right. We have to get that right. Salvation is a free gift. It's accomplished by God through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's available to all and given to anyone who, can, who calls out on the name of Jesus and claims him as Lord and Savior. Amen? But, as both the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus, and James, the brother of Jesus from James that we just read earlier, agree that faith in Jesus, when it's received by someone, if it's true, living, dynamic faith, should naturally cause them to live and act differently. The people of God who have faith in Jesus, who know the gift they've received, instinctively live out good works. (laughs) Good works are, this this is really important. If you've tuned out before now, tune back in. And I want you to write this down. Good works are not a prescription for salvation and faith. Okay, It's not a doctor who says, do this, this, and this, and you'll be given salvation and faith. It's not a prescription. You understand it? Rather, good works are a description of what occurs in a believer's life when they have faith and know they're saved. I'm going to say it again. Good works are not a prescription for salvation and faith. Rather, they are a description of what occurs in the life of a believer who has faith and knows they're saved, (laughs) sees the goodness of what God has done. The Apostle Paul is saying, here's how salvation works. It's all about God. It's a gift from God for you. And James is telling us what a life of faith does. How it responds to the salvation that's won by Christ. Once saved, followers of Jesus want to follow Jesus. <laughs> we should all get a tattoo like that this morning. Should we go get that? I'm just I'm just kidding, <laughs> a little joke. Followers of Jesus want to follow Jesus. It's kind of like a no-brainer. They want to love the Lord their God and love their neighbors as themselves. Good works flow out of the heart and the life of followers of Jesus not to please God or to win favor, but because of the wonder of God's work in their life. They can't help but live out a life of good for those around them because of what God has done for them. Anybody, has God done anything for you? Are you aware of it? Can I get, a, can I get an amen? Right? Whew. The dynamic faith Life happens these good works flow out of believers for two reasons number one first and foremost uh, uh, We do good works. We desire to do good. We live a dynamic faith life. Why because we're grateful <laughs> We're thankful We're fully aware of our faults and failures and of God's goodness and grace one for us on the cross That's why we acknowledge it every week when we come here like hey we're I'm broken I'm not up here because I'm perfect. I'm up here because I'm called. God uses broken people to do his work in the world. Amen? That's you too. I'm held to a different standard, don't get me wrong. Biblical, that's biblical. But God uses broken people. So first and foremost, our good works flow out of us because we're grateful for all that God has done. Secondly, our works occur and flow out of us as followers of Jesus because we want other people to know the salvation and the life that comes from having a relationship to Jesus Christ. We want everyone to know the goodness of God, the love of Jesus. We want everyone to be changed and filled and saved and sent. James says, hey, if you have faith, if you're saved, then one way that it affects you is that you treat people differently. (laughs) You act, and you want to love others for Jesus' sake, even if you don't really love them. That's not the point of James. James isn't asking you to love people that you love. He's saying, go and love the people that God loves. You know that Jesus had the ability to see something lovable in every person that he encountered? Jesus could see that which was lovable in all people, every single person. And we're called as Christians to put on those same spectacles, (laughs) to see people with the eyes of Christ, to go, man, you might go, I don't like that. Well, that doesn't matter. That doesn't give you a right to, to be petty. In fact, our witness needs you to reach out to them in forgiveness and grace and love, as Jesus would. Paul says, hey, you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And here's the great news there. My voice is starting to go. Can you hear it? Here's the great, I've got to calm down. Here's the great news there. We were saved. We have been saved. You have been saved for a purpose. You have a purpose. He's gifted you with specific things for a purpose you know people that i don't know for a purpose it's not random not coincidental god sends us out into the world with all sorts of different gifts and abilities with all sorts of different influences of people around us so that the gospel goes far and wide we have a purpose All these gifts and all these experiences in your life, good or bad, God can use them for good. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and work according to his purposes. Amen? Amen. That's what God does. That's who God is. So with all that in mind... Let's, let's look at James. In this letter, James wants to encourage us to have genuine faith, living that out, living out faith in the lives of the be- believers for the reasons that I just mentioned. And James talks about two kinds of faith here. That I, Some people break it up differently. I want to just say he talks about two kinds of faith. He talks about a faith that's alive, and he talks about a faith that's dead. James first warns us of these in chapter 2, verse 14, about a faith that is dead. A faith that has no visible effect <laughs> on the life of the believer. No one could tell. <laughs> James says, it's dead. If you don't have works, it's dead. If faith is merely academic, if it's just a head trip, if it's just an empty words, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And then turning and having a life that's totally contradictory to God's calling or purpose or commands, James says, not good. I'm going to throw out a term here. It's a theological term, so don't roll your head, your head back and fall over and sleep. You know, just listen. It's called antinomianism. antinomianism. Antinomianism is a theological term for thinking that it's sufficient to just believe and then live however you want. It's heresy, and antinomian is one who takes the principles of salvation by faith and the divine grace that we're given. To the point of asserting that we're saved and we're not bound then to follow any moral law or the Ten Commandments. Antinomians believe that faith alone guarantees eternal security in heaven regardless of one's actions. As if believing in Jesus were a silver bullet that lets you off the hook for whatever you want to do. James says, Wrong. He says, This type of faith is dead. In a sense, he says, the fact that works have not appeared out of your faith shows that you don't really have the gift or didn't really get the gift in the first place. James gives this great example of a brother or a sister who comes with this, this obvious need and, we, and then turning them away with this false faith, this faith of, you know, oh, go in peace, I hope you're warm and fed, as they're like. <laughs> James says, you don't get it. You don't get it. James then goes on to give us this great, and this is a great reminder, you guys. Tune in, tune in to what I'm saying here. This is a great reminder. James then goes on in verse 19 to say, even the demons have orthodox theology. Did you hear that? Verse 19, you believe that God is one. Oh, you do well. He says, that's great. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. Verse 19, James is quoting Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6 is a foundational verse for a theology of who God is. Deuteronomy 6, says, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's a foundational verse about a theological understanding of who God is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So James says in verse 19, hey, You believe God is one? Wonderful. That's great. Even the demons believe that. You see, you might have great understanding of the nature of God, but even the demons know that. The demons understand exactly who God is. They have great theology. They know God. They know who he is. They know what he's capable of. And they shudder. And in the text in Greek, that word shudder, yes, it means tremble, but it also means extreme fear struck and horrified. The demons know who God is, they have a right theology about God, and they tremble in fear at the truth of who God is and what his power can do, and yet they do not live out good works for Jesus' sake. They are against the Lord. They, do, they are not transformed into instruments of grace and love for the sake of the gospel. Demons do not have transformed hearts. They believe, and yet it's meaningless. The reality of who God is has not affected them their hearts, their lives. James says, as Christians who know the Lord, who've received the gift, our lives should reflect that knowledge and faith should be alive and dynamic. Amen? Dead faith only touches the mind. You have a lot of knowledge. A dynamic living faith impacts not only the mind, because it's not, it's not like it shouldn't impact the mind. A living dynamic faith impacts the mind, it impacts the heart, and it impacts the entire life and how we live. The whole being. James calls us to a living faith, a faith that impacts who we are and how we are and how we live. One writer said it like this that I read this week. He said, we are saved by faith alone, okay? Saved by faith alone. But the faith that saves is never alone. As Paul said in Ephesians, we're saved by grace through faith, Four good works. (laughs) The desire to love the Lord and love the neighbor flows out of faith. In fact, if you go back just a few chapters, we're in James 2. If you go back to the, the, the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11... What you find in Hebrews chapter 11 is it's an entire chapter called on faith. In fact, it might be titled, chapter 11 might be titled by faith or uh, the great chapter of faith. It'll, It'll say something like that. And the entire chapter 11, and it's a fairly long chapter in the book of Hebrews, is all about faith. And when you look at it, what you'll notice is over and over again in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it'll say by faith. By faith, by faith. And it, sp- and it picks up all of these of these biblical characters and how they lived by faith. It's all on faith. But if you look at it, you, verse, 20, verse 17, by faith. Um, verse 23, three, by faith. Verse 29, by faith. It's just by faith, by faith, by faith, over and over and again. But look at what follows each of those words. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. By faith, Moses... Led the people out of Egypt by faith, by faith. In Hebrews, this great chapter on faith, we see how faith overflows into the life of people. And you can't separate out faith and good works. Are you with me? But we got to keep it clear what saves us. God saves us. Saved by grace faith alone. And out of that flows Good works, a living, dynamic faith is one where that relationship to Jesus impacts my relationship with God and with all people. People can see Jesus at work in and through dynamic, faithful Christians. Now you might say, whoa, 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 Pastor Dave, I can't live up to that. (laughs) And you're right. Stick with me. You won't be perfect in this. You won't be able to do 24-7 good works all the time because sometimes you don't wake up on the right side of the bed and you're not in a good place because you're broken just like me. Amen? But, but, that being said, <laughs> our desire changes. And what we desire to do and sometimes what we do aren't always in line, right? But we're hope, we're always longing for. We hope to. We try to. We we we, we every day we 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 ask for forgiveness. We and, we and part of what the world then sees is our relationship to Jesus, even in our faults and failures and 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 brokenness, because we're always seeking to live out faith through good works and to love others really well. Amen. So even though we're broken, it's our it's our desire. It's what we long for. A dynamic living faith isn't perfect, but it is alive, and it does love the Lord and the neighbor as best it can, always seeking to reflect Jesus into the lives of those around you. So Paul addresses salvation in Ephesians, and then James addresses our witness, how our faith should impact the world in this letter. One of the complaints or the critiques against the church these days is that um, the church is just full of a bunch of... Hypocrites. Many unbelievers think Christians say one thing and do another. And you know what? That's a fair critique. Let's be honest. It does happen, and it does cause confusion, and it hurts the witness in the world. At times, we can be really good at talking the talk without walking the walk. James reminds us this morning: What good is great doctrine, tons of head knowledge about Jesus and the Bible, if people around us don't feel and see the love of God at work? If we aren't responding to them with grace and mercy and love and good works for the sake of their relationship to the Lord? James is calling the church to get its act together. Yes, salvation is a gift, so live it out. <laughs> Entice people with your love and your good works. Let's share all that God has done for us and in us with others so that they can be saved and changed and filled and sent into the world for Jesus' sake. So what does that look like? Well, here's where maybe some preachers might really get specific. We're going to get out of whiteboard. We'll talk about what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. I'm not going to do that. God will do his work in you. He's gifted you with various gifts, things that I don't have, you have. You'll live that reality out in different ways with different people. But we're going to start here and we're going to ground ourselves in this as we step out seeking to do good work because it starts here. This is the foundation, this is how we impact the world by living out the gifts that God has given us. Remember, as it says in, in, in the first chapter of James verse 1, chapter 1, verse 22, be not just hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. And so God is calling us to live that out in, in, in powerful ways. And that, that might mean you know living out your gifts really specifically. Uh, it might mean reaching out in prayer or encouragement to somebody around you. There's all sorts of ways that you will be living out good works that as an overflow out of the heart of faith in the lives of people around you this week. You will. That's what faith does. You can't separate them. And I, and I was reminded this week, um, I, somebody, um, somebody put an anonymous letter in our mailbox. Sometimes that's not always good, but this one was good. Um, put an anonymous letter in our mailbox a couple of weeks ago, and I want to read it to you. Because um, it it, it, it'll speak to what we're talking about today. Um, it was in response to the the uh, testimonies that we had, the six people gave over the course of our our Lenten season when we did testimonies in our services. This was in the mailbox. Anonymous. Dear Living Word, the encouragement that I received this Lenten season has been life-changing. It's amazing how powerful each person's story is, even when they're not over-the-top extraordinary life stories. No one had been a missionary or a prophet. They'd been normal people. They're so relatable, and I've seen God move. I literally went from being angry and stressed all the time, lashing out at the ones I love, to a peace and feeling the calming joy of God's presence. Thank you for providing a true church where two or more gather in God's name. Thank you for letting God work through you all. God, at work through faith. Faith being lived out in powerful ways. Can't separate them. And so he calls us to go. To live out that faith as best we can. With good works flowing out of the hearts. So let's go. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful. We're grateful for the work that you that you do in us and to us and through us pour out your spirit lord lord help us to be effective witnesses for the gospel that that our, that our words and our deeds match that we're not just hearers of the word but doers lord father we we want to be as a church would you we just lay ourselves before the cross and we lay our lives before the cross father would you come and use us for your glory that we might be instruments of your grace and your forgiveness and your love lord that we might live out our faith through good works. So empower us to do that, Lord. Not to impress you, not to be saved, that's done by you, and it's a total gift. but Lord, to draw others in, and to live out our deep purpose, where we'll find a blessing and a joy and a peace, living in communion with you, walking in your will and ways. And so Father, pour out your spirit on us, on this church, on this body, on your church here, on earth, Lord. There are so many that are lost and in need. And so, Father, would you use us, pour out your Spirit, fill us, strengthen us to do good works in your name. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people say together,